Welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album and more every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And today, today, we are talking about the Freedom Concert. It was the Emancipation Release Party, and I saw it called... The Freedom Concert, the yep. Freedom Train, yep. the Emancipation Release Party. There is a lot of Emancipation Proclamation. Wasn't that one of them? <laughs> I don't I don't know. Okay. But it was called a lot of different things. So I don't know what the official name of it actually was. If it had an official name. He didn't have a name you could pronounce. Why should his <laughs> concert be any different, Christy? Fair. Fair. We are deep into our coverage. Of emancipation. That's right. What is this, episode nine? Something like that. Ten. I don't know. We've been talking uh, about it for a while. You know, the love, sex, and liberty never gets old, though. That's that's true. You have to admit. That's true. So on uh, November the 12th, 1996, Prince played this concert at Paisley Park. Yep. It was simulcast to MTV, VH1, and BET. Pretty cool. Very cool. A little fun fact about this release party. It was an alcohol-free event. And so the attendees were invited to indulge in little boxes of Captain Crunch. With soy milk. I don't know if they had any soy milk available, though you would think that that would be Prince's preference, since he tells us so. He does. He wraps it to us. That's right. Sort of. I did not remember that it was alcohol-free, which takes a different tone now if you've read Maite's book Uh and things that were going on around this time. Oh, maybe a little self-protection or something else going on there. Yeah, or just we need to do this less expensively and little boxes of Captain Crunch are cheaper than Crystal. I don't think Prince is worried about (laughs) expenses, even if he should have been. I mean, he's got a guitar-shaped... In the shape of his name. Yep. And a custom stage. Yep. And custom clothes. Yep. Probably not too worried about the budget. Um, Maybe he should have been, but he wasn't. I don't know. Maybe save the money where you can so that you can have all the fancy stage and the custom outfit and no, all the man. things. You can't take it with you. <laughs> Ask him now. He probably wished he had spent more. Oh. Boy, that mm-hmm. changed the tone of this podcast real quick, didn't wow. it? Okay. <laughs> Right. So shall we dive right in? Why not? So yes. So did this air on November 12th or was it recorded? And then, because I could not find, did it air? It was filmed and then used as a live broadcast. What does that mean? I don't know. That is literally what it says on Prince Vault and many other places. The show was filmed and used as a live broadcast. Yes. I don't quite understand. Was it aired live or was it recorded and aired later? Like, I know they recorded it because we watched it, so we saw it, so somebody recorded it. It wasn't just like, you know, old-timey TV where they they did it live in front of you and, like, come hell or high water, you know, it's that 30-minute show is done after 30 minutes, right or wrong, no matter how you did it, and it's lost to the ether. This is not that. So I, I, it was difficult for me to tell. My understanding was it was recorded and it was live and simulcast on all three. But I don't know. It was old-timey TV, Christy. There are little vertical black rectangles oh. on either side. 
It was a long time ago. It was a long time ago, but it's not like the old, old, old timey TV where they didn't have any film really. They were just were shooting broadcast and it. And that was live streaming back in the day. <laughs> sure. So sure, aired live. I don't remember. I do remember watching, and I remember trying to figure out we're going to watch it on MTV or VH1 or uh-huh. or BET. So I think we got all three. Yeah, well, we had cable. Mm-hmm. You had cable. I was a lowly college student who had nothing. <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't have much more than you. I had cable. <laughs> that was about it. Talk about a guy who probably should have watched his budget. I don't know that I really should have had cable. I wasn't home much to watch it. We watched some of it together, but okay. Yeah. All right. You had an apartment. Apartments were cheap back then, none like now. That's so true. It was. And we didn't have to pay for internet. Because we dialed into the university internet. You did. I dialed in through my job. Oh, My first yeah. job out of college, that was one of the perks, was dial-up internet. Uh-huh, yeah. You could dial into your... Yeah, and I think I got 10 megabytes, megabytes of web server space, too. Oh, yeah. I think I remember that. Mm-hmm. Wow. I wasted every last kilobyte of those 10 megabytes. <laughs> Happily. <laughs> So the show kicks off. Yes. I don't know. MTV, BET, or VH1 kicks off with a little instrumental mix of Slave? Yes. Right? That's that's what I have. Yeah. What I understood it to be. It's the same stage as we saw in the Betch by Golly Wow video. Yep. So. See, he was thinking of budget. He got a video and he got this concert out of it. Sure. The band files in. And very reminiscent of Sign of the Times with the drum line. Yes. Yeah. I have the exact same note. Uh, a little bit of sort of recreation there. Not like they were trying to recreate the same thing, but the same idea. Uh-huh. The difference being, if there is sound coming from the instruments that they are banging on, Who knows? you can't tell. Right. Because it is a clearly pre-recorded studio track. Right. Right? Absolutely. And there's some beatboxing in there that's kind of fun. No, I didn't hear the beatboxing. Oh, I only heard it just listening to the audio. Okay. Uh, watching the video. Was it like I Prince didn't... and his I'd... kind of stuff? I, maybe. I don't. Huh. Okay. I'll have to go back and listen to that. I don't know. Oh, well, there'll be a little clip of it. Excellent. There's a free at last chance that are overdubbed right before the uh-huh. track ends that are not in the album version right. of Slave, but there is the free at last thing. So a celebration not only of his album, but also his freedom from a record contract. Right. A distribution deal, but not a record contract anymore. Right. And so, you know, he's very careful to uh, point out that it has nothing to do with the ugly history of the United States and slaves, but he does invoke Martin Luther King Jr. with a sample of his Free at Last, Free at Last. Free at Last, Free at Last, thank God Almighty! That, well, I know that wasn't slavery, but it was civil rights movement. So right. it's they kind of have some of the same themes, and they're fighting for some of the same things. Yeah, of course he connected them, right. because that's... Right. Yeah. 
I think it's silly to even argue that, but he had well, to answer it somehow. So, of course, in a Prince way, he did it sure. in, in a PR-friendly way. Sure. I never That's meant fine. to make a connection between those things. Uh-huh. Let's, yeah. let's put it on the listener. Uh-huh. You, you made those connections. Not That's right. Me. Get your head out of the gutter. Yeah. The Martin Luther King Jr. speech sample, the free at last speech sample used there would mark the first but not the last time that Prince would license that sound from uh-huh. the estate right. of Martin Luther King Jr. was also used on the Rainbow Children at the end of Family Name. Mm-hmm. Seven minutes and 52 seconds in. And singing the words of the old Negro spiritual. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty. We are free at last. Um, and was clearly stated to have been licensed uh, on the Rainbow Children. There were no such... Did we even get to the credits on this? Maybe it was there. Don't recall, but uh, not sure how else he could have gotten that without licensing it because it was very well protected. Yes. Which you would think Prince would respect. Right, you, you would think. It runs right into Jam of the Year. It starts with a sample of Rosie Gaines with her very recognizable intro. do this little thing where they put the camera on Kat Dyson and her little face is up against her microphone. Oh yeah. And it's like they're trying to fool you into thinking that Kat Dyson is singing this instead of Rosie Gaines who's not there. Yeah. Well, I don't know why this was necessary to like even, I mean, sure, show Kat Dyson playing an instrument, but absolutely, um, she's not a featured vocalist in any way, shape, or form. So to have her pretending to sing the Rosie Gaines samples is just silly. Yes, I agree. I did notice, so you noticed beatboxing in the intro in Slave. Right. Here in Jam of the Year, like 17 to 22 seconds in, there are scratches and other samples that aren't part of the album version or really any other live version that I've heard. Unless maybe it's just buried in the... Because what we've heard, to be frank, is all audience recordings, and this is basically a soundboard recording. Uh Uh-huh. But it certainly was not on the NYC single that right. we featured in our last episode. So I thought that's kind of cool, but there was no like DJ or, you know, credits to any kind of record scratching uh-huh. performance. Right. The first image we see of Prince as he's walking in, he's looking at his wedding ring. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. When he okay. walks out and you, the, you first see him, he's looking down at his wedding ring. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's sweet. I mean, yeah. he opened and closes the show then by thinking of his wife. Right. We get to the end. Near the end. <laughs> I don't know if you know how podcasts work, but We're when not you start. The... <laughs> We're not going to get to the end here at the beginning? Not this time. No. Okay. No. So at one minute and 26 seconds, his give me a drummer and a funky bass line line. Give me a drummer and funky bass line. We get the bass line, but it's also buried under more scratches and samples, mm-hmm. which I'm guessing, I'm going to say those are pre-recorded too, since there's not a DJ right. on stage. 
We get lots of pans through the crowd that seem to show them not particularly feigning Prince. And there's a lot of dudes in the... A lot of white people. A lot of white people. So I think there were lots of celebrities there. I think Prince Vault listed boys to men and uh-huh. some other you know celebrities from the mid 90s who were there but i think it was also record executives right who may not you know have been fans so to speak but were invited to you know witness history and so not like this crazy crowd right so to speak yeah. so i would say the crowd is a little subdued. subdued that's fair i think it is fair to say that sure and you can definitely tell there's a vocal track <clears throat> of prince being played and he sings oh, yeah. over it. Yeah. And the, maybe some of the band members sing over it a little bit a too. Little way buried in the mix. Though. Right. But definitely you can tell that watching the video, but then also it's a little more clear on the audio a little later that that is actually what is happening. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a live performance, but it's certainly supported by pre recorded elements. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Quite a lot. And I'm sure it, part of that is a time element. They had to make sure that they yeah. fit exactly within the time that they were given. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So keep him from probably mainly Prince from going off on yes. <laughs> sidebars. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He does this little silly kicky dance. Mm-hmm. It was very fun, and then encourages the audience to sing with a hand behind his ear. Yeah. It's a, first of all, it's a fun concert opener. I do think it falls a little flat, though, as, oh, we haven't seen, you know, Prince in the real, like, mainstream public eye in a couple years. Um, so it falls a little bit flat with the not super excited crowd or right. loud crowd, or blame it on how much the crowd was in the mix of the audio, too. Sure. We do finally get a good look at his outfit. It takes a while into the song because it's been kind of dark, purpley, and uh, different things. We finally get a bright, like, kind of gold light on the stage and on the band. And we can see he's wearing his uniform pants for this time. That's right. (laughs) They're the black, lacy kind of pants. Yeah, somewhat see through. Uh huh. And uh, he's got this purple button down tunic with kind of a lacy almost like a tank top top over it i don't know it's hard to describe but it's got this like black lacy thing at the top yeah 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 he definitely had the the wardrobe dialed in for emancipation mm-hmm. yes then uh we turn a little slower yeah a bit of a surprise for song i guess you call it number two if you don't count the i mean slave hardly i mean you really only recognize that if you're deep into emancipation listening to it very very intently would you even recognize that as slave so this feels like that felt almost like an opener sure that's fair and then jam of the year and here we are next song purple rain yeah i mean a little bit of a surprise as the sure. second song he would play at his self-proclaimed freedom concert. Yeah. I mean, it was an obviously a beautiful song, but an overplayed hit for Prince, even in 1996, 12 mm-hmm. years after it was on the radio. Um, but you can tell he loves the song. He loves playing it. I think yeah. 
it's a shrewd move on a TV broadcast like this. You know, song one, number one, brand new. Song number two, something everyone can sing along to. Uh-huh. Recognize everyone has heard this. I can watch Prince sing this all day. I don't care what he's called. Right. Sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, and, and still, you know, to his credit, he doesn't mail it in. He's sung, mm-hmm. at this point, even, he's probably sung this song 10,000 times and he finds ways to make the inflection interesting. Yeah. You know, he's definitely not bored doing this again. No, no, no. And he gets to, I mean, play a small amount of jazz, I would say, with the guitar solo. Which comes sure. a little early. It's like you get the first verse in the chorus, and then it launches into the guitar solo. We don't get all of the verses and choruses in the song. So a little bit of a truncated, made-for-TV version of Purple Rain. Absolutely. And he definitely, I think the cymbal guitar is a very intentional choice right here. Oh, that like, he's, that this he's, is my song? This is my song. Yeah. This is, you know, we were talking about how... You know, when your name is a symbol, you can put your name all over everything. Oh, yeah. We and talked about that <laughs> while we were watching the, uh-huh. the show. Like, you yeah. can put your name on everything, and it's fine. It's not like your name's Henry. That's right. You're real, like, Henry's yeah. guitar or Henry's <laughs> stage or Henry's whatever. Hey, that's Lawrence's microphone stand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. his his guitar was his name. So you're yeah. right. Probably a little bit of, I'm going to... It's a little stick it to the man. Yeah. Especially if there's a lot of record executives there. Yeah. You know, it's a little like, look at what you missed. Of course. He can play it live. It is his song. Right. Uh, But I mean, the reality is he didn't have at the time Mm -hmm. rights to the master recordings, that type of thing. So maybe a little bit of lifting his leg to, you know, mark Uh his territory. Sure. To a degree. But also, I mean, he didn't perform it that way. Like... I'm no, reclaiming no. this. It no. was, um, you know, a great like single edit version right. of Purple Rain played live. So I think perhaps uh, there's maybe a little reference to Maite in this because he does put a mama in the chorus. And I never meant to cause you any sorrow. I mean, this was a sorrowful time for true for both of them, yeah. but certainly Maite. Okay. So he throws a little mama in there, and I'm like, oh. Uh, I mean, he did refer to his love interests over the years as mama. mama. Sure. So, but that still could be a reference to her. I don't know if... He would want to refer to her as mama if they have lost a child, but mm, I, I could know. see that being you're, 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 be, you're still you're still, still a mother. A mother. Yeah. Just because your child is no longer alive doesn't make you Maybe not a so. mother anymore. Maybe so. I mean, I think Prince or you know the artist formerly known as Prince, as he was known then, looks great. The stage it looks great, all white. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's almost like a rebirth again. The white guitar looks great, but. I will say on the wider shots inside the Paisley Park soundstage, sure. it comes across to me now as a little like the Truman Show in there. Oh. Like, 
okay, it that's has fair. A, it has a falseness to it uh-huh. that, you know, is just a matter of physics. It was a, you know, confined area because it was made for him. It wasn't made to hold tens of thousands of people. Right. But it does for a freedom concert and it seems like there's a few hundred people there right it has a like a false grandeur to it that struck me during purple rain at least and that was when you could kind of see the where the walls touch the ceiling and the walls touch each other that it came across a little smaller if you think that that's think of like that's the same place where the majority of Sign of the Times, the concert film uh-huh. was done, and that place looked like it was jam-packed. It looked like an arena. And of course, it was filled with color and lights and all the ornaments that made Sign of the Times, Sign of the Times. And here, this is very clean and stripped down, so some of the bones of the building are more visible. Visible. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Hmm. Um, he does walk down that the catwalk, the runner, into the audience, plays the guitar a little bit. Was, very nice. It's it was. a nice way to utilize that space. He yells, finish it. Hmm. So the, uh, and the band stops playing so that you can hear the audience do the ooh, ooh, oohs yeah. of Purple Rain. And that, you know, even if they weren't like super into it, you got to hand it to that. them. They sang that. Yeah. And it was like there's a beat of silence before you know uh-huh. the timing is right for the oohs, and I think you could tell by Prince's face he knows everyone would know the part, and right. he was right. It was rewarding. That little catwalk too is not a straight, no, no thing. It is a very curvy and tapered uh-huh. area. So yeah, it's it always little... struck me as pretty skilled. I mean, like. Prince even knew, you know, the size of his guitars down to a point where Steve Park has said, I've taken, pic-, you know, he took pictures of him for some of the year 2000 stuff uh-huh. where the guitar wasn't there, but Prince knew it so well, he knew where to put his hands and they were exactly right. So I think he probably knew his stage just as well. Sure. You don't hear many stories of this man, you know, slipping up on stage. No. Even in a Super Bowl filled with rain and the risk of electrocution. Right. Yeah. Just navigating that kind of curvy catwalk is impressive. Oh yeah. There's some fancy guitar work and finger work at three minutes and 19 seconds. You know, we watched it on the video and we had an audio recording of it to listen to separately. And it was kind of fun to, I listened to the audio recording a ton of times before we sat down together to watch the video, which I hadn't seen. Yeah, since it was Maybe on. since it was on. Yeah. So it was pretty impressive. Yeah. The song comes to an end, and like many other shows during this era, or at least during the Love for One Another charities tour, mm-hmm. we get this interesting segue from Purple Rain into Get Your Groove On. Yes. Another, obviously, new song at the time from the album. Mm-hmm. We get the drums and the keyboard to kick it off. A lot of pre-recorded background vocals again, for sure. Prince is singing over his own layered vocals. And like the Atlanta show that we covered in our last episode, he sort of 
shout singing versus the careful falsetto delivery sure. on the album version, but it does make for a very more, much more fun kind of party. Yeah, it's a very atmosphere. energetic sort of situation. This is where I noticed too a ton of echo on his vocal. Yeah, in the song, I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds like he is. Uh, maybe that's part of why I got Truman Show a little bit out of uh, uh-huh. like it's. I think it was an intentional effect, but it came off to me as like he was almost. You know, there weren't many people there, mm-hmm. and the walls are hard, so his voice is bouncing all over the place. <laughs> oh, and he again utilizes this catwalk and the like slightly larger stage at the end of it. He oh yeah, there's w- like a little circular, down, yeah, like a little circular thing. area, and he's walks down that, and he's carrying his microphone stand. Yeah, and. I'm like, it is a good thing he has a smile on his face because if you carry that microphone stand with heavy end up like that, it could look really threatening. (laughs) (laughs) Get your groove on. (laughs) I told you to get your groove on. Come on. (laughs) But I mean, he's carrying it and it's the heavy end up and then he flips it down and sinks into the microphone and then flips it back up, keeps walking. It's kind of fun. He drags a little bit too later. It's almost later. Yes, he does. Very creepy. Like a, yeah. Like dragging a weapon across concrete. Yeah. yeah. So, well, he's on this little stage and I noticed in the background, the horn players had all been standing. They had come to the stage and they'd all been standing and then he's singing. And then all the horn players look like they're playing dice or marbles or something oh, on the little they're all kind of like gotcha. squ- and then they it's almost like he caught them in the act mm. it was very intentional you could tell yeah it was a well choreographed situation because then the horn players are all different heights uh-huh. you know because some of them are squatted down and some of them are standing up but it was it was kind of fun to see them doing whatever playing some kind of game yeah, I, I like some of the skits that were in uh-huh. the Sign of the Times concert yes. film. You know, it's supposed to look improvised or like you're in the middle of a you know heated discussion or mm-hmm. a party or you know gambling or That's whatever. Right. And then uh, all these dancers like show up behind him on the catwalk. Yeah, like it gets crowded fast. It, it does get crowded, but they're really well choreographed. It's very very fun to watch, and they all head back up onto the stage, and he follows them, and that's when he's singing dragging. into his microphone, dragging his microphone yeah. stand. All I can think is, gosh, he's gonna put like a, marks so, a, on, right? a mark on that white that catwalk. <laughs> he didn't care. Why do I care? It was thirty years ago. Who cares? But I was all I could think was. Oh, they didn't have those Mr. Clean magic brushes, those no back magic then, erasers magic weren't eraser. a thing. Yeah, exactly. But they had white paint. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Probably a lot of it around Paisley Park. <laughs> um, a couple little technical issues in the song too, which I wasn't sure was it just on the audio recording or uh-huh. was it in the broadcast and us watching it matched up like at 40 seconds, there's a mic dropout when he says, Can't wait to see your face again. Uh-huh. And then at a minute and two seconds, he sings, come on now. There's another mic drop there during his little improv. So some weird little wireless mic moments there. Mm. 
He changes some lyrics too, based on who's in the room. Instead of uh, some new D'Angelo, some MPG, uh-huh. it's got Boys to Men, uh-huh. MPG. And instead of going all the way to let's make a bet to see who keeps their clothes on, he just says, let's make a bet to see. He just kind of like finishes it with this falsetto vocal scream. The dancers well, have a little dance battle. They do have a dance battle. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Unimpressed. I thought it was kind of I fun. I mean, it's it's fine. I just I'm not there to see. Yeah, the dancers. Now, like, could you do that over there and let me watch <laughs> what Prince is doing? Because I think that's when he takes a moment to grab his guitar, his gold guitar. Uh-huh. Um, like at two minutes and twelve seconds, and we get the interlude of six. Yes. At two minutes and 42 seconds, so I was looking forward to seeing him play. We've heard him right. you know, play that part. I'm like, I really want to watch him play this. So uh-huh. was, that was very cool yes. to watch. Really, really fun. And right before that, before he pulls out the guitar, so Kat Dyson plays her guitar kind of like she's holding a rifle. And then seems like she's playing it with her tongue. And I'm like, there's no way she's playing any of that. Yeah. Like that looked more that's like in the middle of the whole six interlude thing. He plays right. it first and then it cuts to Kat Dyson. Yes. She actually plays a little bit of One Nation under a groove there at three minutes and seven seconds. We get the bam 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 bam. Like that little part that goes uncredited. And like you, I was you know, I wrote down, I'm not certain she's really playing. I'm going ch- like, to move the knot, and I'm just going to say, certain she's not playing. Right. It did not look real to me. No, it looked all. a little cheesy. Now, yeah. Rhonda Smith's bass playing looked right. I agree. Three minutes and 14 seconds, yes. she gets a little bass solo. Yeah, more legit to me. Yes. So I don't know. I mean, I don't. I'm not accusing Cat Dyson of anything, <laughs> but it did not look like a live performance to me. No. I would love to know if she really did play that bit of her guitar with her tongue, and I will eat my words, but it did not look <laughs> n- natural. Or that seems like a fair bet. If you play the guitar with your mouth, I will eat, eat my, my own words. words. <laughs> That's pretty fair. Sure. <laughs> yeah, a little more six. This guitar. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah, there's an awesome keyboard solo on his knees by Prince uh-huh. around three yeah. minutes and 53 seconds. So like, it's kind of fun. Isn't that a guitar? So that you can like stand and play, but which he does some of, but he also is like down on his knees. Like it's also like it a very... weird angle. I mean, if, can you imagine playing piano and the back of the piano drops yes, below 60. you? Yeah, and you're playing keys that are it's like carpal tunnel piano playing. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> there's some Kirky J drums to end it. Um, yeah, a little chaotic at the end, yeah. but in a very 
energetic, fun, fun way. Fun. And then he plays the little, it's not the wah-wah bar on the guitar. It's oh, a little boy. dial, oh. like a wah-wah oh. dial that yeah. shifts it up and down, and we get some of that, too. So it's fun. I don't know. Anytime you see Prince play an instrument live, yeah, it's there's very fun. no complaint. So this is a fun song. And then um, I would say yet another surprise. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten he played this next song. Oh. It wasn't even on my radar that we'd be talking about joy and repetition here. Yep. I had completely forgotten that that was featured um, and kind of a different arrangement with an interesting guitar riff throughout the whole thing. And mm-hmm. not not reggae, but a very repetitive kind of guitar riff throughout the entire song that's not really featured on the album version at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Man, they had an industrial smoke machine because there was a lot of smoke all over the like ground level area very, very quickly. Yep. It did not take long. They blew it out there, man. That's right. I mean, there you go again. No budget. We got lots of smoke. It's fine. <laughs> Prince is highlighted on the stage alone. It's very dark. Uh-huh. We get some more of the dancers kind of acting out the whole thing on a catwalk to a right. degree. Yeah, there's this whole scene happening on the catwalk. Yeah. There's this background, these the da-da-das, he kind of chant sings this, which it was like spooky sexy. That was lifted from the album version. Right. Right. So he has some of his own pre-recorded background vocals that sound like some of the stem tracks from the mm-hmm. studio version. Your da da da's are like 137. Up on the mic. Repeat two words over and over again. And before that, when he says live music coming from a band plays a song called Soul Psychedelicide, mm-hmm. the words Soul Psychedelicide at a minute and 17 seconds, you can hear the album vocals played behind him there too. There are a couple of dancers at the end of the catwalk that get featured and it's such a nice shot because Prince is singing and he's clearly watching them. And then as he's watching them, he pulls his cymbal guitar in front of him and there's just like the way it's framed is really nice where you can see the dancers and he pulls his, so you see the love symbol Mm -hmm. as he's holding his guitar. It's there. It's kind of cool. It really makes you realize that like, here's these other things that are happening, but he is the sun that holds this whole solar system of a show (laughs) together that they're really they're rotating around him. He is controlling everyone's movements because he doesn't even play the guitar right there. Like he pulls the guitar in front of him uh-huh. and is you know doing this chant singing yeah. as they're dancing, and he doesn't even play it yet. Probably had some signals or something for them. I would uh-huh. guess was part of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and as he says, holding someone is truly believing. That includes. Some pre-recorded background vocals at two minutes and fifty-nine seconds. Then he does actually give us a very long extended guitar solo at three minutes and thirty-eight yes. seconds after all of the love me's. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. With some really great guitar face that they oh, yeah. nice and close in on. Yeah, yeah. So I think about this and I, the other show I thought back to was the Raven to the year 2000. Sure. Which would be filmed in the same soundstage just, what, all, three years later? Yeah. And how, yeah, how uh, different. hyperactively edited oh. it was and uh, it was put together in you know, short, like less than a second cuts over and over again, over and over again. Uh-huh. And they avoided that here. So yeah. it was, to me, a little bit more of a maturely shot thing to yeah, a degree. I understand. You can also see some of the cameras along the side walls. There are, there's at least two cranes, cameras on cranes, that are in the soundstage. So mm-hmm. you do get a sense of how big the space was, but it felt big and small at the same time. Fair. Then we get just like less than 20 seconds of a fun favorite Sexy MF. Yeah, it's like the drums and the horn breaks. Uh huh. And Prince dances a little bit. Yep. But it is truly a tease. It is such a tease. And we get the very VH1, BET, MTV friendly, you sexy mother. Doesn't really get too close to the full name of of the song. Quickly, quickly turns into If I Was Your Girlfriend. Yes. So very quickly here, like we're seven songs in, started off with kind of a throwback to the Sign of the Times drum line with the slave intro. We got Joy and Repetition, which was a like 1987 recording, uh-huh. Sign of the Times era. And now here we are again to If I Was Your Girlfriend, yet another sign of the times era. Mm-hmm. So he's looking fondly back yeah. in my mind to eight or nine years prior. Right. Out of complete choice because he was free to do whatever he wanted. Absolutely. Um, very similar performance to what we saw on Oprah. I would even say this is sort of a rehearsal for that performance sure. on Oprah too. But I th- always thought If I Was Your Girlfriend sounds great live. You know, On an album, it's very... His pitched up vocals are very featured and it's very intimate. It has a, you know, that, that Lindrum beat that drives the whole thing. Yeah. And live, a little more upbeat. And it's to still use some of the vocal tracks from the album version during the performance, too. Yeah. He always does, well, he always did at least around this time when you saw him perform if i was your girlfriend he did he kind of almost looked like he was waltzing with himself oh yeah he did these like back and really large side steps yeah back and forth and yep. it's not completely a waltz but it just kind of feels waltzy if i was your waltz friend uh-huh yeah you mentioned that while he was dancing during he did mm-hmm. it during the oprah show and right. did it here which yeah you're and you're right you're very right. I don't know why. Like sometimes I hear like the background vocals, the pre-recorded stuff, and I'm like, eh, I wish that yeah. you know he had singers as part of the band, which he did not have a strong like vocal core outside of himself. Right. But at minute and fifty-one seconds, 
when he sings, Even If That Somebody Was Me, you can hear the Camille vocal in the mix there, mm-hmm. singing behind him. Because he sings it with a different cadence live, and the Even If That Somebody Was Me is straight from the studio version, and it's on the timing that you expect. Right. Um, and I, it's just kind of a Prince nerd thing to hear that and go, ooh. Uh-huh. Like, you know, ooh. He's not, it's not just his own background vocals, but it's the pitched up Camille back, background vocals. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's very fun. And then, of course, the wash your hair, touch you there bit is always a big crowd pleaser live. Let me wash your hair. Let me touch you there. Yes, and even the ending that he used on Oprah, that I'll just do you over and over and over and over. Uh-huh. There's like this kind of deep vocal intonation uh-huh. ending that brings it all to a close. If I do you, babe, if I do you, babe, I'll just do you over and over and over. So this song comes to a kind of quick end, and the next song starts very abruptly. Yes, with the uh, drum beat from "Love Thy Will Be Done," mm-hmm. which is used as part of "One of Us" in the studio version, or the album version, and also here on the live version. We get a short guitar solo up front to kind of match the album version, also. Mm-hmm. Yes. He clearly loves the song. He's got a very earnest yep. countenance about him. Yeah, it's a little Purple Rain vibe, but even more, you know, Christian. Right. You know, uh, directly Christian, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Less of a metaphor and more real. Um, he goes back to the end of the catwalk to play the guitar. He mm-hmm. like gets down on a knee to play up close to the audience. It's yeah. There's a lot of showmanship. Yeah. But in a way that, I mean, it was, of course, it's showy and it's his show, but it's somewhat humble. Sure. He's, it's hard to say. He's not looking for attention where he's built this. (laughs) He's literally on a stage. Yeah. Like lifted up above everyone else. He's like a freaking pharmacist. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I don't know. There's a, there's an earnesty to how he performs it live that I think I said this in the last episode. Um, where the album version comes off as a little bit forced, especially with the lyric changes from mm-hmm. just a slob like one of us to just a slave like one of us that makes me think, hey, you're maybe trying too hard. If you're going to cover it, then just cover it. We don't need to mold it into the, the form that fits your vision for this album, although it was his too, so he could do what he wanted. That's what freedom is. Yeah. Lots of exaggerated guitar hits in the song, especially like after... What if God was one of us? Mm-hmm. Like at a minute and 21 seconds, there's this very exaggerated guitar hit throughout this whole performance. I think the guitar solo he gives at the end of that catwalk is very underrated too. Sure. Maybe just because it's not his song, but it is clearly his solo. Right. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm sure part of it is going to make this my own, put my own take on it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and when he goes back to the main stage, they ha- there's another little guitar solo, and he literally bends over backwards oh, while yeah. he's playing it. Like yeah. he's like facing the back wall, yeah. playing the guitar, and he literally leans his head backwards and looks at the audience. I'm yeah, like it's like his guitar is counterweight, or uh-huh. he would not be able to do that. Right. Um, but made me think. You know, he did he did some dancing during the show. There weren't any splits. Right. Uh, but like that makes me think he was, you know, physically in pretty good shape then yeah. to be doing that. He did splits and other things during the Oprah performance. But that was kind of the one physically in awe moment uh-huh. of like this backbreaking guitar solo thing pose that he would take. Yep. And well, then the- it's kind of interesting that he chose this basically to close out the show. Yeah. No, it was the last... It was the last song they played. Yep. It was not the last song we heard, but it's the last song he played. That's right. Because then there's Emancipation starts playing, but it's straight from the album. He does thank the audience for coming and welcomes everybody to the dawn. Thank you. Welcome to the dawn. And now we've heard him say this is his dawn. Right. Right. That was the Chris Rock interview, right? Chris sure. was educated enough to have actually read some album uh-huh. covers and right. knew about the whole Welcome to the Dawn, or May You Live to See the Dawn. Right. Yeah. Yes. And then as it's playing, the whole band leaves the stage. Yep. They get up and go, and then we know he was thinking of Maite. That's right. Because November 12th is her birthday, and so there is a happy birthday Maite on the wall projected onto the wall yeah like a laser light Uh type thing right um as they're leaving yeah so yeah that was very sweet it was sweet and that's it that's That's, it that's how you do a 25 minute show yeah Yeah. it's like this is how prince would do a sitcom yeah (laughs) i mean you get you know 24 minutes of performance and the rest is ad time that's right exactly all right so we're gonna Make some selections real quick. We choose a time capsule, something that exemplifies the time at which the material was recorded or when it was released. The sea, the low point, and the mountain, the high point, the mountains and the sea. Imagine that. I was going to say, it's literally why the show is named uh-huh. what it is, because we thought, we got to have a thing, right? Well, what if we, we pick we like our favorite and our least favorite thing, but we can't just call it like, I love this part and I hate this part. Yeah. Because a love and hate podcast about Prince probably wouldn't have been very on brand. <laughs> well, and you know why I suggested that as our format is because when we met the revolution before we started this podcast, you told Wendy that Mountains was your favorite that's right. single. And she and they signed a t-shirt for us. That's right. Sure did. All, all of them signed it, but uh, Wendy wrote Mountains on it because yeah. she listened to you and it was very sweet. It was very sweet framed in our studio yeah so yeah it's super fun and that's anyway so it's just mountains in the sea there you, wow it's a gem a hidden gem in the podcast if you made it this far that's right so but uh, for whatever reason we threw in a time capsule <laughs> <laughs> well because i felt like there needed to be one more thing a mountain a sea a time capsule and a donkey over there in the corner <laughs> I'm all for it. That's a cute donkey. (laughs) (laughs) What you got for a time capsule there, Christy? Um, I think one of us, only because it was only played live, 
like in promotion of this album 1996 to 1998 those were his first and last live performances of it. So, okay. to me, you know, this that kind of was the time. Makes sense. I, I started thinking about it. I mean, it is an album release concert, so there's that. That's sort of the time capsule of the thing. But uh-huh. for me, I think if you just flashed a photo of Prince on a white stage with his hair shaved around his right ear, uh-huh. weirdly high, I'd be able to tell you, oh, that's Emancipation okay. Era. So that is kind of what I keyed in on there because he did have the kind of high shaved open spot only above his right ear, which like on the Emancipation cover art, he's even got a little symbol uh-huh. shaved into his head. And so it's probably growing back and all that kind of stuff. But it was a it was a look. It was a look. It made him look even more, mm-hmm. I think, elf-like. Yes, um, for sure. So it just, that kind of sticks with me. The C, uh, for me, despite the fact of how much I liked the older songs, the C for me was that only half the songs were from Emancipation at the Emancipation release party. No. Let's play some songs from the album that you're releasing, the one you were born to make, your freedom. And one of them was a cover. Yeah. Sure. Your freedom. Let's show me more of your freedom. Oh, okay. I can see... You know, now watching it, looking back, but I think it was very well curated, and there was a reason that, of course, Purple Rain is performed in there, and you know, I get that. But yeah, even the selection of songs from the three discs, yeah, one of them being a cover, none of them being singles from the album, right? That's that's right. That's what tells you you're at a print show because there's, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, you know, he doesn't color within the lines always. Fair. For me, I'm fine with that because I was like, you know, if you're what Prince kind of disappeared a little bit from the public eye after seven. Sure. In 1992, like reappeared briefly for the most beautiful girl in the world and then was kind of disappeared again for a few years and from the public eye. So I'm okay with the coming back and playing a few hits. I think more egregious are the close-ups of Cat Dyson lip syncing oh, mm-hmm. and I guess lip guitar playing also. <laughs> Just like so unnecessary and Prince had made such a big deal about Rosie Gaines and her voice and you know even coining the fla- the phrase vocal icing when we first heard from her mm-hmm. uh, on the Graffiti Bridge soundtrack and uh, I don't know kind of a disservice to Cat like she obviously was a talented musician or she wouldn't be on stage for Prince promoting the album he was born to make and why we had to feature her lip syncing. There was a million other things we could have shown at the beginning of jam of the year. Sure. Would have been better. I agree. Uh, the mountain for me was that it was simulcast, honestly, because I really think that it Mm -hmm. spoke to the interest and clout that he could still command, despite the fact that he had, disappeared at times in the early nineties where he was kind of out of the limelight because he was dealing with other stuff, you know, that he could still come back from that and be able to say, I want to do a 30 minute live show and I don't want it on just one of these places. I want it on all of them. Yeah. And he got it and he got it. Yeah. That's very true. For me, the mountain is a moment that I mentioned earlier. The moment of hearing Camille's vocal track mm-hmm. under him performing If I Was Your Girlfriend, I just found to be so cool. Come to me, if somebody hurt 
I don't know why that stands out because there are countless other moments when his own pre-recorded yeah. vocal tracks are present, <laughs> but that one in particular, uh, just super cool. I'd love, you know, we've got like acoustic versions of, or acapella versions of jerk out for crying out loud. <laughs> How about give me an acapella version, you know, the faux acapella version of if I was your girlfriend with Camille vocals, I would take that any day. Could I trade in my jerk out maxi single <laughs> for just the vocal track from Camille? I think that seems fair. Sure. Uh, you give Kat Dyson uh-huh. that you Word, would eat I'll her eat, words I'll eat if my she's words. really playing her guitar with her mouth. I will trade jerk out for if I was your girlfriend. This is okay. a transactional podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, tell us what we're doing next time. Next time, we've got a collection of unreleased songs from the Emancipation era. Maybe you've listened to Emancipation and thought, that's three discs of material. Some of them maybe should have been outtakes. No, 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 my friend. There are... There are more. There are more. So we're going to do a hand-picked collection of unreleased songs from this era. And some of those actually are alternate mixes of songs that did make it onto the album just okay. to kind of delve into this a little bit more I feel like we just barely scratched the surface christy <laughs> all right well we're gonna do that but it's going to be in three weeks we've got a busy few weeks coming up ahead for us too busy to podcast yeah huh? i'm sorry this doesn't pay the bills and the things you're busy with too so um we're going to uh have a little extra time that we're going to be gone we appreciate your patience a mere one week that's right might i suggest any of the previous nine episodes of (laughs) emancipation you go back and listen to episode one and hear jam of the year and court uh get your groove on yeah and just get your groove on that's right that's right i think that's a fine idea i'm going to do that right now Thank you so much for listening. You know, you make a choice when you listen to us. We don't just come on the radio. So we really appreciate that you opt to spend some time with us. Tell a friend if you have a purple friend who doesn't yet know about us. And until next time, happy purple listening. You made a good choice. Thanks for sticking with us. Purple. Purple burp. Burple ring. (laughs) 